Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 274 for March 18th, 2019. Today's guest is author Camille DeAngelis, and I am your host, Michael Herron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 13 years. If you like what you'd hear, what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and the footer at MikeyPod.com, or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, step stop by my website at michaelherron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at michaelherron or email me mikeypod at gmail.com. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited about this conversation and I have to tell you a little hesitant about this episode. Um, I, I'm just gonna, hold on, I need a little more volume here. I, I'm just gonna keep it uh, uh, corny to say keeping it real, but I am going to be doing that. Uh, so the interview... With Camille, it started with my admission that I hadn't finished reading the book, and I was going to put put off the uh, interview and try to do it another day, but I decided to interview her anyway from the perspective of having not yet read the book. Um, well, you know, I, I started it. <clears throat> and um, the, 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 the longer I sit with this, the more, oh, and we're going to do a second interview after I finish the book and do another assignment that you'll hear about. I guess I want to be transparent about this in a couple of ways, like, I have to say, like, I'm going through, like, a creative, real, like, fuck, man, like, a real tough, challenging time, you know, like, uh, it's, I'm having a lot, a lot of self-doubt, and, you know, it's, I, I think I've talked about this in previous podcasts where I found myself in this space where I'm like, oh, I don't have any more excuses. Maybe I talked to her about this. Uh, I don't have any more excuses. Like, I have space, I have time, I have my needs met financially, well, mostly, <laughs> And, uh, that's, oh, yeah, well, there's, you know, uh, the immediate ones there. Yeah. So that I, maybe I'll talk about that on another podcast or not at all, but I realize like, oh shit, everything's okay. Like I, I don't have those immediate, like, oh, if only I had this, if only I had that. And of course I do have those things. Like my computer died and I'm working on a little laptop instead of my main computer, but like I got, I got the tools I need and I have the space to create stuff. And now I'm, really struggling. And so I'm not creating, I'm feeling embarrassed about that. And I'm feeling ashamed about not creating. And I'm then that's making me less likely to create because I want to tune out. And, and I keep distracting myself because I feel yucky about that with other things that, that I'm trying to use to fill me up when they don't really fill me. What happens is, oh, yeah. so I'm in this place. And especially lately, like I, I said on the last podcast and, and, this when this podcast is going to go up, there are only a few hours left of this special offer I'm doing on Patreon right now. But I have had one one person uh, who was already a patron just up their pledge. Thank you, Andy, for doing that. Um, but there's been crickets. Like I, I I'm doing this zine project where I create a new zine every quarter. And I do a special offer. It's only available for a couple of weeks. I'm trying to, you know, get more people on Patreon because that uh, like helps me create more work and it helps me create more space and, and maybe help me pay my huge tax debt. And, you know, like, ah, uh, yeah, it, it helps me become a independent artist. You know, like, I'm an independent artist already, but it helps me do that, like be able to support myself with my work. And it's a beautiful thing. It's been crickets, like crickets. And I have to tell you, it's heartbreaking. It really feels like, you know, like, oh, God, 
maybe this is just stupid. Like maybe, am I just embarrassing myself by trying to get people to care about this work? Maybe it's idiotic. Like maybe people are laughing at me. Like, you know, like I get in this space where I'm like embarrassed. So I've only made a few posts on social media about, um, about the special offer because I just feel so embarrassed about it. But the the project's almost done and it's great. And and Luke uh, has designed, this is the third zine we've worked on together. And he and I designed two books together. You know, no one cares. <laughs> it sounds so dramatic, but you, like, you're, you care. You're listening to this podcast and there are 121 people on Patreon who care about my work at least for a dollar. <laughs> A month, so it's not true that no one cares, but it it's it's easy to get in that space, and it's easy to be like, God, damn it, what am I doing? Like you know, like ah, it feels awful. So anyway, I decided to be transparent about that because I want to get to a space where I'm just making stuff because I like making it, and I do like making it. I love experimenting with electronic music, and I love playing the piano, and I love making music and sharing it on the internet. Like, I love that stuff, but I'm letting the the hope for more people to care stop me, you know, or, or the disappointment that I'm not, that people, like, I got to tell you, like, making these posts about this Patreon thing and saying like this is a special offer it's limited edition and it is it's and it's these cool little magazines that I've designed with Luke and I'm folding them and hand binding them it's a cool project it comes with like a free download of a new song I'm writing to go just with the zine and no one gets it unless you're on Patreon and or like the music no one hears it except for someone on Patreon but no one cares <laughs> and but it's cool. Like, it's cool. Like, there are going to be 30 people that are going to get this brand new zine. And those people might, you know, like, honestly, some of those people might not even care. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone, people that get these zines, no, very few people, maybe like, I I, I can think of two people that, that responded about the zines. And let the last round went to, I think, 35 people. Um, and I sent them out and I was like, oh, there's magical things are going out. No one said anything. <laughs> But I sent it and it was fun. It was fun putting in the envelopes and dropping it in the mail. But you know, like I think about this and I've been feeling shame about even doing this podcast because now everyone's doing a podcast and no one listens to this. <laughs> I mean, you're listening to it, but like, it seems silly. It seems like, bro, you're 50. You're almost 50 years old. Let's put it away. Like, it's been real cute. Like, but let's go ahead. Like, you know, I don't know what I think I'm supposed to do instead. And that's the thing. Like, I feel gross if I'm not creating stuff. So, you know, I, I have this shame about no one caring, and which stops me from making it. So I have shame about not making it, which just makes me like, but then I start clinging to other stuff. Like, ah, uh, and that's pathetic. <laughs> but it is. Like, and I just realized I was really bad about this weekend. Like, uh, I was laying on my couch eating Oreos and watching... Uh, Walking Dead ah, just like you're pathetic <laughs> anyway I put the I put the Oreos in uh, the compost today the remaining Oreos I cleaned my apartment I have a friend coming to visit and I'm putting up this podcast wow I really just went on for a long time didn't I um, so why don't we get on with the interview I was going to play a song uh, by my friend 
which I haven't even planned yet. So let's, you know, let's just take a minute here. Um, I'm going to let this just be what it is today, right? Is that okay? Because <laughs> I'm going through it, you guys, but I feel like being honest about it. And I feel like um, it's really important to, uh, to, to, I don't know, maybe you're going through something like this too. And that's the thing that I've learned, like with the shows that I write and the books and all this kind of stuff. I share these really intimate stories, you know, like the, the zine, the, the story in the zine, I was literally like sobbing at the keyboard while I wrote the story that's going to be in the zine because it's, it's about my cat. It's about some other stuff and like some other things that it's, it, you have to read it. Um, but you know, like I share stories and for some reason I love writing these stories that are just so heartbreaking, but they're real and it's very human. And I love that stuff. And I learned that even though, you know, like it feels like I want to look at it and be like, nobody cares. This doesn't matter. It matters. Like it might matter to one person. Like one person might come across these things and it helps them to like maybe take a step that, you know, like maybe listening to this podcast is helping someone else. Like, oh shit, I feel like that too. Maybe I can like put an embarrassing podcast out that nobody's going to care about um, except for one person. Whatever. Anyway, there's a lot of self-pity in this stuff that I'm saying, and, and I guess that's okay. But I, I think what I'm my goal here isn't to like have a pity party, but to be like, okay, this is this is what it feels like to be someone who creates these sort of random kind of odd things. Um, and I want people to care. Like I I want to share this stuff. Um, so anyway, <laughs> speaking of beautiful things. My friend Richard Andrews, uh, he just released an album called The Golden Fascination. And you may remember, if you're a longtime podcast listener, there was a band I used to play a lot called Uniform Motion. And uh, Richard was one of the people uh, in that band. And he was actually on the podcast, um, oh, maybe four or five years ago. Uh, But his album is out. It's absolutely magnificent. Uh, This is a track from it. Uh, It's called The Golden Fascination. And after this, we'll have the interview with, with Camille. All right, here's Richard Andrews. Fascination I'll hold my head up And never mind 
Joining me now on the podcast is author Camille D'Angelis, who's an author of a number of books, including the one we're going to talk about today, Life Without Envy, Ego Management for Creative People. Welcome to the show, Camille. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. <laughs> we just had this pre-interview conversation where I had confessed <laughs> that I haven't finished reading the book, and I was going to just... Uh, we've decided we're going to talk in, in two sections. We're going to do two podcasts about the book. And this first part, well, let's talk about what the book is. And I want to talk about, there's so many things that are folding in on each other. And I'm already like going into a, into a circle of like, wait, how do I get out of this? So tell me about the book. Um, okay. So I wrote this book a few years ago after, uh, you know, so I published a couple of, of novels with, you know, fancy big four publishers. And, you know, I had this, I was committed to this narrative of like, how a young novelist career is supposed to go. Um, and so when that narrative didn't, you know, it sort of, um, after two books, <clears throat> and I went out of print, uh, I felt really discouraged and depressed. And, um, you know, had a lot of like, you know, why me kind of like circular, um, rumination, um, which was completely unproductive. And so I eventually realized that I needed to do some work on myself to like get out of this, you know, mental quagmire that I had thought myself into. So, you know, so a, a lot of like journaling and meditation and yoga and all of those things that we say we're going to do every day for our mental wellness that, you know, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't get around to doing these wholesome practices. Um, I got to the point where um, I was feeling a lot better about myself and about my career and I started to disengage from, you know, these attachments, these really unhealthy unhealthy egoic attachments to, um, to rec you know, basically to recognition, you know, and to feeling like there were people, you know, lots of people in the world who are, um, <clears throat> appreciating my work. Um, not all of us are going to have, you know, we're, we can't all be best-selling authors, right? So we like have to get out of that mindset of if I achieve this, then I will be happy. 
So you have to figure out how to be happy first, and then maybe that other stuff will happen and maybe it won't. Um, so I got to that point where I was able to detach. And then it occurred to me after having all of these conversations with people, I was actually recommending a book called, and now maybe a lot of people have already read this book, but it's um, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now and then his second book, A New Earth. I had read these books. They changed my life. And I was recommending them to other, mostly other authors, but but other artists too, who were feeling discouraged themselves and, you know, had what I was, was starting to recognize as, you know, quote unquote, ego management issue. And no one wanted to read self-help. There's this stigma about reading self-help books if you're an artist, because uh, it's like, oh, if like if Oprah's put her imprimatur on it, then, you know, that that's like for the masses. We're not interested in that because we are artists. And so it occurred to me like, oh, I can I can package what I've learned into like a really cute, portable little book that's going to be a sneaky self-help book and people won't realize what it is until they've finished it. And then they're like, oh, wow, this book was helpful. Um, and so that was that was how I came to write the book. I like I got so much out of what I've read so far. I I read like the first third of the book and it's like I'm stuck right now creatively, which is partly why I like sort of procrastinated reading the book because I'm procrastinating everything that has to do with the things I create. What I did was I made some little notes about things that jumped out on me. And like, oh, it's like <laughs> the thing that's funny. And I think why I'm in this like mood of like, oh, is like sort of picked at some little like little scabs, if you will. And like <laughs> things are like, oh, oh, let me throw like a couple of things out to you that jumped at me. Like one of them in the book, you said we're addicted to our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about addicted to thoughts about being a failure or being afraid of failing. It's re- making me realize, and I knew this already, like my definition of success for myself as an artist is I'm making it something separate, some other thing. Instead of just making it, making art, making stuff is then I'm successful. Um, that's a couple of things. But what can you talk about that idea of being addicted to our thoughts? Uh, yeah, and I have to like this is you know, straight up true confession, I'm still struggling with this. And it's not, I'm struggling with it in a different way. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Last week I was making a vegan tater tot casserole and I had too much stuff on the counter. I was at my boyfriend's house and the, uh, what do you call it? The blender, um, that had the the roasted cauliflower in it that I was going to be making the puree out of fell on the floor. And I spiraled out of control. I was just like, I wasted all this food. I broke the blender, um, uh, whatever you call that, the, the top of the, the blender. The, the, yeah, the, the picture. The, yeah, picture, there it is. The picture. <laughs> and so I got so angry with myself because I had wasted, I had wasted food I had, I had broken, I had like created more waste, right? Cause I wasn't sure that this was like, can we put this in the recycling? I don't know. Um, and so I, you know, uh, called my boyfriend to tell him that I, that we needed to like pick up another call, um, head of cauliflower. And I was so angry and I was just, I was crying about this cause I was, I felt so like such a klutz and so useless. And so, I mean, and, and it was just so absurd, you know, and he's, luckily he's a therapist so he uh <laughs> he down and he's used to talking people down I was like this is I know this was like not in your I should be charging you right now 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I was totally believing my thoughts that I was a klutz and I was useless, like, which is, I know it sounds totally absurd. Um, and so that's the sort of thing that I'm still struggling with, even though like career wise, I'm a little bit more on track. Um, but this is something that I think we, we have to remind ourselves of on a daily basis. You have to examine each of your thoughts, like as it's scrolling by your mental ticker tape, you have to like disengage from the thought and examine the thought and evaluate, is this, is, is this true? Because oftentimes it's not. Is this helpful? Oftentimes it's not. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I've heard this from a lot of sources now, you know, people, and, and this is good that it's like becoming like part of the, um, you know, part of the culture, uh, uh, part of creative culture is people reminding each other that our thoughts are often lying to us. And, you know, ultimately, of course, this is keeping us from getting our work done, you know, or get or getting our work done to the level that we're hoping to, to get it done um, and to, like, actually re- rest a little bit and feel good about what we've accomplished instead of mm-hmm. be- focusing on what we haven't achieved yet, um, because you can keep being in that mindset of like, it's never enough, it's never enough. And then you die. And then like, how have you, you know, you haven't taken the time to enjoy what you have, what you have achieved, you know? Um, oh, and I have to talk about this. I promised myself that we were going to talk about this because uh-huh. uh, I think that this is like one of my most important points, which um, sort of came to me. I was able to articulate it like after the book came out. And so whenever I talk about the book now, I have to be like, okay, we have to talk about the distinction between success and satisfaction, because there's a there is a huge distinction, and so I always tell people um, if you're if you feel like doing a little exercise right now, um, you can make a list, two lists, um, you know, divide a, a piece of paper in, in two, um, and then into two columns, and then on the one side you put success, and so these are all things that you want for yourself and, and your your life and your career that are contingent upon the world, things that are out of your control. So, you know, my becoming a, you know, New York Times bestselling author, completely outside my control. I mean, apart from like actually writing the book, right? Right. So those are all things that go in the one column. And then in the satisfaction column, they're all creative endeavors that I do have complete control over. So yes, finishing the book, uh, if I were to self-publish a book, which I do want to do at some point because I want to have that experience, um, that goes in that column. And then all these other things like, and I've done this, I've done this exercise and the thing that always comes up is, is make myself a quilt and don't give it away. <laughs> things like that. I have complete control over those things. And so if we focus on those items in our satisfaction column, we're going to feel a lot better about ourselves and our creative lives. So I wanted to make sure that I stuck that in there. Yeah. Um, that I'm, I'm kind of imagining myself having some assignments to do before we talk again. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that would be a good one. To yeah. like, you know, like uh, one of the things, and uh, I'm, this is the last little Michael Heron therapy session I'm going to throw out. <laughs> but I think it's something that a lot of people deal with also, which uh, I, I don't know, it's another one of those circular, circular things. I had this moment like, uh, maybe a month ago, I just moved into, in December, I moved into this new apartment. Mm-hmm. It's really big. I have a space 
to work. Like I have a dedicated office space. Yay. And like my work life, like my day job, whatever, my teaching, I have plenty of it. So all my financial needs are met. Like there's some things that I'm still working out that, you know, but all in all, like my day-to-day needs are met. I'm not in a panic about anything. I have space to work. And I found myself sitting, like laying on my bed a few weeks ago, like, okay, go, like, go start making stuff. (laughs) And I still couldn't do it. You know, it was that moment was like, oh shit, I ran out of excuses. Like I was creating excuses or there were things I was pointing to as reasons why I wasn't creating or why things were slow. And, but there I was like, I couldn't point at anything except, oh, uh, it's me. (laughs) So I, I think I just want to throw that out there just in terms of like something to check back in on when we have our second conversation about all this but do you have any thoughts about that like you know like I I feel like I get addicted to those thoughts of like or I get stuck in those thoughts of you know um and I that's part of it I think I'm not even sure what those thoughts are for me I just am like oh I just not I'm not gonna do it um and that's maybe where I'm at right now with my creativity and my creative life is like figuring out what those thoughts are so I can look at them and decide whether or not they're true Mm -hmm. um yeah, I'm, I feel so confused about all this stuff. I feel like I just threw a big chunk of stuff at you. What do you think? <laughs> well, my, my first question for you is, do you ever sort of stop yourself when you're, you know, you've been making, 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 teaching, making, making, teaching, making, 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 and then you think, oh, maybe it's time to not do anything for a little bit and sort of uh, assess regroup, relax. Do you ever have those times where you're like, I'm just not going to do anything right now, or I'm going to do something that pleases me, you know, so I could be reading or knitting or, you know, knitting and listening to a podcast or whatever it is. Yeah. Make the deliberate decision. Like I'm not going to work right now. And, but like, I'm sometimes I'm being creative still if I'm, you know, knitting or doing whatever. And then sometimes I'm deliberately not making anything and that's hard, uh, but it's useful because I believe in taking a break and refilling the well. I don't always manage to, you know, actually hit pause, sit down, not do anything. But I think we're so like we're so rushing to, you know, we're always rushing to like get things done and to move on to the next project. And that's that's part of my practice now too is to, you know, press pause think about, you know, especially, you know, having I've finished a couple projects or I'm, I'm wrapping up a couple projects that I've been working on the last year. And it's so tempting to be like, well, I've just, you know, I've written the first book in a, in a series. There are going to be at least four, four more books. I don't have time to, to chillax right now. You know, I got to get moving on the next one, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think the next book will be better if I take a little bit of time to not do anything. So do you, do you ever do that? Do you ever uh, like, I I do it, but not deliberately. So I do it with this, like, I really shouldn't be watching TV right now, or I really should be. And so I don't think that counts. (laughs) I mean, it counts as a thing that like, I pile on top of myself to be like, oh, like, see, you're not doing it. You know what I mean? Like that, like ongoing mental uh, brutality (laughs) toward myself. So that I think that's really valuable to be like, no, like, today I'm not today I'm really not and it's okay and that's the goal for today is to relax and recharge yeah and then the, so when you mentioned tv i think that 
uh, a lot of us and myself included, like we're, we're just like, Oh, it's, you know, it's the boob tube. Like it's a complete waste of our time. Like we should never watch TV, um, which is wrong because there's so much ex- excellent TV right now, you know, for sure. Think, you know, Netflix and Amazon, like coming out with like all of these, ama- all of this amazing, like, and this is, this is like, this is part of our work as storytellers. Like we can consume other people's creative work and, enjoy it and have it like maybe inform our own work. Um, but I think it helps to like be deliberate about that and be like, Hmm, I put in a full day of writing. I wrote two thousand, two thousand words, whatever it is. And then be like, okay, well now I'm going to, you know, relax and like watch an episode of the umbrella Academy or whatever it is. Um, which I just finished watching and was like that kind of obsessed with. Um, and I'm not a superhero person. Like I'm not into like the Marvel, all that stuff, except for black Panther, like not into that. Um, so I like I sat down. I'm like, okay, how can I? Because I'm actually like critically evaluating this, like as a, a fellow storyteller. Um, and so I find that I find that useful time. I'm not like completely checking out, not thinking about it, but like I gave myself permission, is what I'm saying. You know, as yeah. opposed to just, you're tired at the end of the day, you just don't you feel like checking out, and then you could would consume anything, you know. And there's a lot of garbage on TV too. You don't want to, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there is so much good stuff too. And I see there, a friend of mine, Eve Beglarian, she's a composer. She's really, she's one of those people that's just been like a sort of a guiding star in my life. She, mm-hmm. There was one time that I was going through this period of feeling really guilty about not creating anything. And I think like, yeah, I mean, it, it, the reality is I really would like to have more momentum in my creative life. But she made a point. She's like, maybe you were writing still like when you weren't. Yeah. When you weren't like, because part of that, and I think it's part of what you're talking about too, is that when we're watching other people tell stories, and it's true. Like I've just watched uh, Mrs. Maisel uh, sort of binge. Wa- well, didn't sort of binge watch it. I definitely binge watched it. And there, have you watched the series? I've seen the first episode or two, and the friend I was watching it with wasn't into it, but I was. Oh yeah. And so I, but I, but then she wanted to watch something else and I was like, okay, that's fine. And then I never ended up, I never got back to it. There was a thing that I really took away from it. And I love that you're saying this because it just was a couple days ago. There's a scene toward the end of the second season where I was sitting on the couch, like beaming with pride for this character, like in a way I've never felt for a character on a TV show or something like that. And it made me think like, how did the writers get me to this place where I really was like, rooting for this fictional character so hard so that's i love that you said that because it is really like it is valuable i think i still have been watching too much tv but (laughs) but there is something to be said for for that for like as a as a way of like seeing other people's work and letting it inform our own yeah yeah and the other thing i want to say is too about you know this uh productivity um you know, treadmill that, that we're all, we all seem to be on is that we're not robots. You know, we can't always be producing. And if you try, you will burn out. Even though then this is like one of the many paradoxes of the creative life is that you, you are always working as a creative person. Yeah. You know, you be, you know, well, yeah. In the shower, we talk about like, Oh, all of the, all of the wonderful ideas that come to you in the shower because you're, you know, it's, it's a good place to be. You're getting clean. It's nice and hot in there. And, you know, you just, your mind wanders and then great ideas come to you. Um, <clears throat> we're always working. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, that's a, it's a fun paradox, I find. Yeah, I, I guess that's like a lot of what 
maybe I feel stuck about and something I can really look at and allowing all of this like creativity and, and being a creator to be a paradox. There's another paradox in the book that I'd love to like mention. Um, uh, this idea from Eric Maisel of have necessary arrogance. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the thing that's really tricky. You have to believe that what you're doing matters, but you can't make it matter too much Mm -hmm. (laughs) or else it's, you know, like that, that's the thing. If I make it matter too much, I won't do it. But if I don't make it matter enough, like what, can you talk about that balance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think this is this is the central thrust of the book, is that you start with the necessary arrogance, and then you're always trying to like temper the the opposing sort of force of self loathing. <laughs> 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 um, but then eventually, you know, as you know, as any of the characters I've created who are you know have have an arc, I too have an arc as a real life character. And I get to the point where, oh, that necessary arrogance got me started. And it, it, it helped me to produce a certain amount of work. And now I'm at the point where I need to focus if I if I want to continue to grow as an artist and as a human, I need to focus on making a contribution. So that that is that is that is the point of the book, um, and which has you know segued very neatly into my my second sneaky self help book, which is all about veganism and creativity, um, and making you know making a contribution by caring about beings who are vulnerable, um, the vulnerability of which we have denied them you know in mainstream culture, human culture. Um, so I don't know if that, does that answer your question. It does. Like it, it, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think that's the thing that's really interesting about this and why I feel like, I feel like this, my, our conversation and the way I'm sort of like throwing things out to you is a little like, ah, uh, what about this? Things are fewer, less like questions to me right now and more like, I've observed this or you pointed out this. Mm-hmm. Huh. You know, it's very like, uh, what's, what's the word for that? Like, I think it's just a conversation and like an investigation mm-hmm. into like, how these ideas fit, you know, like for a long time, I was, I guess it's been maybe in the last six, five or six years that I just started creating my own work. Before that, I was a pianist for other people. And I did this podcast, but I was always talking to other people about what they did. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until my early 40s, I'm 49 now, that um, I finally gave myself permission to do this thing that I always wanted to do and write stories and create music and make these performance pieces that I do. Um, And the whole thing has been like, I guess that is it. It feels corny, like letting things be a mystery to a certain degree and just let, you know, and I think you sort of talk about this in the book, that idea of um, these things not, uh, did you say this in the book? Something about not these things, the things that we create aren't coming from us is that am I making that up or is that in the book yeah yeah I, th- I think that's like an essential part of the humility practice is to recognize the mystery in what we do and and to not take too much credit for, for something like if something does really well and you know people are um, praising you you personally you know this like um, you know sack of skin and bone like <laughs> 
just like very limited you is what I'm saying. Um, praising you for having, you know, achieved this thing. Um, I think it's important not to take too much credit, which is again, another wonderful paradox, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cause you're like, you're, you're, you're wanting it so badly and then you get it and then you're like, Oh wait, I shouldn't identify too much with this. I shouldn't pat myself on the back too much for this. Um, because I, I, I really do believe that our spiritual beliefs inform our work and improve our work. You know, I, I mean, I, I think they're, I think we've all had the experience of re, of uh, consuming art by um, someone who we, we sort of sort of pause, like whether we're like in the middle of, of receiving this artwork or afterwards reflecting about it. And we're like, mm, I don't think I want to know this person in person the person uh, who created this work. And I don't want anybody to ever have that feeling about me having read my books or whatever else I'm doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's more mystery. Yeah. You know, I, want to, I, want, I want us to feel connected to each other through the work that I do. I see that. Yeah. I guess when you're talking about not... Uh, well, the spiritual sort of aspect of, of creating for me mm-hmm. and, and the idea of not it, ah, it's that it's a weird paradox. It's hard to put into words, but it's this idea of like this work that I create might not exist without me, but I didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like some of my favorite things. Like there's a song I can think of and a little poem thing that's in the animal show that I like, it was almost as if there was this universal, like, Hey, get a pen, write this down. Yeah, yeah. And I did, and it was like, that can't be, that mm. can't be it. And it was. Like, I kept, like, there's specifically this poem, like, toward the end of the animal show that I, like, kept, I kept feeling like this can't be done, like, because it was just, I just wrote it thing down. And it's done. Like, there's nothing more to add to it. But I, it's one of those cool moments. I feel really proud of that little section, but I'm also like, yeah, but uh, I was sort of, uh, what's that word? It was sort of dictated to me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You uh, were you were in flow state. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the thing. I think. Do you think we're afraid of flow state? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think we're afraid of our of our own power. Because yeah. If you think about how 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 tempting it is to sort of stay small, as they say. Because when you think about, and I've written I've written about this in in the new book. Um, I was sort of doing doing a little bit of reading about psychotherapy and because I was I was curious to know you know what Jung and Freud had you know had did they have clients who refused to eat meat and what was their diagnosis and I didn't I didn't find an answer for that Mm -hmm. Um, but I did I did find that this I I found this the work of this really um really cool um Jungian psychotherapist uh called Robert A. Johnson and he he's written a bunch of books, and there's a book called Owning Your Own Shadow, um, and then oh oh, but the one that I'm the the book that I'm thinking of uh, is called Inner Work, and he's talking about how uh, the the part the part of the the book that really that I've that has really stuck with me and that I I put in in my new book about veganism and creativity that's coming out later this year is the idea that you know, the shadow self, we think of it, oh, that's, this is like all of our taboos, all of the, the thoughts that we're not supposed to think, all of the impulses that we, that we deny and suppress. And that's what we sort of think of our shadow self as containing. 
Um, but actually the shadow self contains like all of this like fantastic potential that we are afraid to claim because that would mean, I mean, that's a lot of responsibility, right? Like you have to step up and, and, and really put yourself out there in a way that you may have never done before, you know, and that takes a lot of courage. Um, and so I think he puts the way he, the way that Johnson puts it is, you know, the, the shattering one's puny self image. Um, and that, that, that's something that a lot of people are just not willing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's scary. And like, I think, I think that's one of my challenges is, um, yeah, I, I have to like just somehow like set dates. Like there have been a lot of times I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a show and I'm doing it on this date and I book the place like for a reading of it or something. Yeah. And then because it's too scary to think that I'm going to just do that <laughs> unless there's like, oh shit, I have to do this now. You know, like something about like the, it's easier to feel like the responsibility to the date than it is the responsibility to just create a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's Ooh. what I'm talking about. Like if you feel scared, then like you know you're doing it because you you'd so rather not be doing it. Yeah. And then when I'm forced to do it because I've told a lot of people and exactly. they've bought a ticket to it. You set yourself <laughs> Yeah. But I go through this emotional like insanity like why did I do this? What kind of idiot, like resentful about the fact that I wanted to do it, resentful about the fact that I have to do it, resentful about everything about it. And then then I do it and it feels really great. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next day I go through depression because it's over. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, feel. <laughs> so we should probably wrap this part of the interview up. It's really, I feel like it's really this funny nebulous thing, but I think it'll be great for us to have like a payoff um, when I get to the other end of the book and talk about what the process has been like. Before we get there though, do you, is there anything you would suggest I do in the next amount of time besides just reading the book? Um, and definitely do that exercise because that was so helpful for me. And the times that I've, you know, I, I don't do workshops very often, but the times that I have people, the feedback has been really, really good. People are like, oh, like it's just completely recalibrated my idea of goal, you know, goal setting, you know, like if I, I mean, not to say that you can't or that you shouldn't want the things in your success column. Cause you know, of course you're going to want those things, but to not, um, stake your happiness on them. Yeah. Actually, that's actually a form of insanity because you have no control over those things. Um, so yeah, to, to fill out both of those columns completely and then <clears throat> spend, don't, and then not dwell on the things in the success column to dwell on the things in the satisfaction column. But these, th these are things that you are going to give yourself. You're going to allow yourself to feel fulfilled. Um, so that's, that's like the most useful exercise that I have come up with. Um, yeah. And definitely journaling, um, you know, having, having the self-reflection, the self-analysis really helps. Um, so, and I don't, I don't journal every day. It's actually, it's been a while since I journaled every day. Um, and I should get, I should get back to it. Yeah. Okay. I'll read the book. I'll make my columns and, um, uh, and I'll, I'll give you more if you want it. No, I think that's good because as we know, <laughs> I'm having a procrastination issue right now. <laughs> so will you tell us where we can find you online and uh, where we can find your book? 
Yeah, totally. It's um, cometparty.com, um, C-O-M-E-T, party.com. And so all my stuff is on there, all of my books um, and, you know, other stuff I'm up to, crafting and travel and whatnot. And um, on social media, I'm just Comet Party on all the things. I'm most active on Instagram because that's the the platform that feels most life-affirming. And <laughs> The fewest number of mean people on Instagram. So that's why I'm there. Yeah. It's really true about Instagram too, isn't it? It's yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. And um, we're going to do a little bonus conversation for Patreon. So if you didn't get enough from this conversation and you can't wait for the next one, there'll be even more on Patreon. <laughs> thanks for joining me, Camille. Oh, thank you for having me.
that was another good friend of mine, Kirsten Marilyn. Hi, Kirsten. Hope you're listening. This track is that track was called The Dark. Uh, you should go grab yourself a copy of it. Proceeds from the sale of that track go to help a sanctuary called Rancho Relaxo. Get on there. Get in there. Uh, thanks for listening to this podcast. I have the, the interview was a little all over the place. My intro was a little all over the place, but we're looking for sincerity here, and that's what we got. Uh, tune in. Uh, stay subscribed. Blah, blah, blah. I got to go get some dinner. I'll talk to you later, and uh, see you next time.